Nico here from the GeekCast Live, and you are proudly listening to the Movie Podcast Network. We're here to ask you to head over to Patreon and show us some support. If you've ever dreamed of unlocking the Rob Bass Nude Photo Archive, or if you've been wanting to sponsor the official GeekCast Live pony, go to Patreon and pledge accordingly. That's patreon.com slash geekcastlive. Cartoon Joe here. If you enjoy what we do and you'd like us to do more of it, please be sure to like and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star review. Apparently that stuff matters, and we've been not paying attention to it for the past four years. So give us five stars today. Thanks. If you want to get in contact with us outside of the show, be sure to check us out at GeekCast Live on the Facebook machine or check us out on Twitter at GeekCast Live. Nico here, looking for more great content. Just a reminder to check out our good buddies over at waywardraven.com for cool gear, novelties, fun stuff. Check them out. Enter our discount code. You know what it is. It's Neckbeard for 15% off your order. Check them out at waywardraven.com. If you Player want some coffee. really good coffee. Whoa. Roasted coffee. by gamers for gamers. Oh, Get yourself yeah. some Player One coffee at playeronecoffee.com. Enter our discount code. You know what it is. Geekcast Live. And get yourself a certain Geek amount Cast of money Live. off on some first person smoother. Check them out at Check them out at playeronecoffee.com. It's God's gift to gamers. It's a trap! Welcome to episode 5234 of the GeekCast Live Podcast. I'm your host, GCR, and with me, as always, Rob Cougar Lion. And Cartoon Joe. And Nick. And uh, a new car. <laughs> Nick can't make us tonight. Nick is, uh, he's actually on an adventure with a, a, a friend of ours, the Shaved Bush the Shaved Pilot. Bush Pilot. He is. So, uh, last uh, I last I checked, they were in the uh, the Comoros Islands. Yep. Also known as the Mozambiques. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Burning bars uh, down and uh, laying <laughs> pipe for the uh, local plumbers union. Yeah. I'm here to. <laughs> I, I, I'm here to tip waitresses and lay pipe, and I'm all out of tips. <laughs> Dave Bush uh, pilot. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a bit of an inside joke that maybe we'll elaborate on at some point. On uh, I'm not very sure. secret. Yeah, give forums. us give us some give us some money on Patreon. I'm not sure the time <laughs> is right. NDA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure the time is right for the shaved Bush pilots uh, to be in full True unveiling. Well, uh, yeah, we. He's like we that know. death's head lotus flower that only it only blooms for like thirty four seconds and it's dormant <laughs> for a whole year. Yes, uh, I, I think is, those are called that is death's head rodent or like flower. the like I'll the corpse love. flower that only blooms once a decade. That's what it is. I was thinking of the corpse flower, 
said Death's Head Lotus Flower. I I, like I love that, Death's though. Head Lotus. That's my that was my Japanese biker game. <laughs> Damn it. You beat me to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was your Japanese biker gang. Death's Head Lotus. I actually speak speaking of uh Japanese bikers. Go did on. you see I don't think I sent it to you guys, the uh your burger shop name? Oh, no. Oh, I don't know if I had some. I've forgotten. That. Uh the month you're born. <laughs> right. Uh, add the word burger and then the first letter of your first name. So, uh, Joe, you'd be August. Uh-huh. Uh, so you get to pick a southern state in America. Excellent. Um, so, southern to me or southern? No, just a, one of the southern states. Okay, so I couldn't be like like Connecticut. I would have to be like or, – or like West Virginia. I'd have to be like Georgia. Yeah. Okay, Georgia. Okay, and then the first letter of your name is J. Yeah. Uh, so that's a gang. So you're the uh, the Georgia Burger Gang is the name of your burger shop. Yeah. All, All right. right. Uh, Rob, you're February, right? Febu- February. That is correct. That would be the name of your suburb. My suburb. Uh... Downtown. Yeah. Or downtown. The, or the late. Let's go. Go downtown. Add the word burger. Okay. Uh, first letter of your first name is Hall. So it'd be the Downtown Burger Hall. Hmm. Interesting. I would like to eat at a place called the Downtown Burger Hall. But hey, but what's what's the what's the uh what's the last actual subdivision or planned housing that you actually lived in? Uh like, like what was the man house? Like Paramount Farms or some shit? Oh man man house was Copper uh, Beach. Yeah, Copper Beach. Well, the Copper Beach Burger Hall is also really good. Yep. Uh, I am September, which is uh, any New York bur- any any New York neighborhood. Uh, so I'm, I'm so I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Staten Island. Ooh, Staten all right. Island. All right. I add the word burger. Uh, so I'd be it'd be and I I have an R as well. So it'd be the Staten Island Burger Hall. Excellent. And Nick's not here, but let's do Nick's. Nick is uh, November. He's yep. a November baby. Allegedly. So that would be uh, an iconic 90s East Coast rapper. Ooh. Like, uh, uh, like Biggie. Biggie. Uh, now, don't do Biggie, though, because the video did right. Biggie. Right. So like uh, P. Diddy. Yes. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds very Nick-like. So he'd be the, uh, the P. Diddy Burger Club. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the months are uh, it's uh Jan- in order from January well, to I December. See. It's uh your street name, your suburb name, an old American name like Joe's or Ben's. Uh April is a dated internet word like epic, Uber, or boss. May is a word used to describe whiskey. June is an adjective from 90s hip hop. Examples are juicy. Old, dirty, or ruthless. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if you if you're a July month, it's a, a hype beast word like dope, fresh, or king. Uh, August is a southern state in America. <laughs> any New York neighborhood, any California neighborhood, an iconic '90s rapper on the East Coast, or an iconic '90s rapper on the West Coast. And those are your. If you haven't seen this video, Rob, which I don't know if you have or not. 
It's pretty good, anyway. To your silence. Where did he go? Was I he don't know. by that raptor noise? <laughs> yeah, right? I think he Is got it? flushed. Maybe he's in the Ministry of Magic. Are we still being recorded since... The Ministry has fallen! Are we still being recorded since... I don't um, know. Since we stopped inviting Craig and and he's just gone. I don't... I don't. That's a good question. But he's still here. I'm just gonna... Hey, Rob. <laughs> he got a Ron, by the way. There he was for a second. Wait, what? Where you been? Oh, uh, sorry. There was a phone call from oh. uh, the girlfriend. So... so it actually was a rapper noise. Raptor yeah. noise. Oh, no, that was a Tyrannosaurus. Yep. Well, immediately after that, you just left. You disappeared. You were gone. Yeah, well, so she knows that it is podcast night. That's why whenever she called during the podcast, I figured that it had to have been something important. And it was not. So. Oh, okay. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm relieved. I'm relieved to know it wasn't important. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if it's the news that uh, Chelsea Peretti has left Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that is important. You shut your whore mouth. That's not true, is it? Uh, that's what I read earlier today. That's okay because I've got a I've got a new, uh, awful, good show to watch. What's that? It's on Netflix. It's called The Hilda? Good Cop. Oh. And oh. I uh, I've watched four episodes, which is four episodes more than I ever should have given it. All oh, right. Um, it stars. Tony Danza and Josh Groban. Like early 2000s music superstar Josh Groban? Yes. They play father and son. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, No. (laughs) I can see it. I reject your reality and substitute my (laughs) Tony Danza is like a hip, dick swinging, uh, uh, disgraced, corrupt New York cop. Why is Josh Groban dressed like James Potter? Josh Groban <laughs> plays his father, his his son, who's now a cop, a detective, and he's like, he's like, um, like the world's greatest detective. Batman, and he uh, mm-hmm. um, good reference, rap. It's so it's it's so weird. It's such a weird show. Why are all the episodes questions? Like, like uh, who cut Mrs. Aykroyd in half? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's actually like I'm not gonna lie. There were a couple moments during in my four episode run. Where I actually laughed out loud. <laughs> is, is Tony Danza playing a character called Big Tony? Yeah, he's Big Tony Caruso. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, Who course. ran? He ran sort of like, um, <gasps> like corrupt smuggling ring. Amazing. And, and Josh Groban plays like, uh, like. Tony Jr. 
and there's some sort of mystery because like the like the wife slash mom of the uh, is dead, and they they're like they don't know why, and there's a like a parole officer like the the female lead is a parole officer in the first episode, and then a detective in the second one. <laughs> um, Who needs continuity? Well, in the first episode. Josh Groban says, like, you'd make a good detective. And she says, like, there's a there's a detective's test coming up in three weeks. And he's like, you should do it. And then in episode two, uh, she's like, I'm a detective. And he's Thank like, goodness oh. I passed that test. And he's like, all right. <laughs> Look at me doing detective things. <laughs> there's this there's a there's like a Weasley like assistant detective in the in the department. Who is, is that like the guy in the background who looks like uh like, like a, a weird Al? He looks like yeah, he looks like Wet Houston. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's weird, what? man. Houston? In the in the in the first episode though, he's wearing this watch that he's beta testing for a friend and it tells you how uh it tells you how hydrated you are. <laughs> and <laughs> and the like the old Very. there's like an old tired of being a cop black cop okay who's in this unit and he says like you're wearing a watch that tells you when you're thirsty <laughs> and the delivery of it was so fucking funny that i i about that, that's it was actually like a that's a really funny thing that just happened in the tv show and it bought it four more episodes all right Later on in that episode, <laughs> he he stands there and asks questions that like I, I can't even remember the premise. Fuck it, just it's watch one episode. It's a terrible, it's a terrible waste of time and a terrible show. Alrighty, I don't know why it's Way on to Netflix. Sell it. No, it's a Netflix I'm, original. I'm really not even trying to sell it, honestly, because I like I don't want to be responsible for you watching the show. <laughs> But uh, can I read you the three trailer titles from the trailers yes. and more section? The first trailer is just the good cop parentheses trailer and parentheses. The next trailer is titled cop, but can't hide. And the third trailer trailer is titled trailer colon protect and serve. <laughs> I don't know. She's just Yeah, Tony Danza. I'm ironically into it. That's what I'm saying. I I had I had like I had like You knew how many like sorry, not to cut you off, but uh I, I just searched the good and there's the good place, the good witch, the good cop, the good neighbor, the good Catholic, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> now the the good the good place is much watch is much watch much watch much watch television. I've heard the good place is excellent. I just if haven't you haven't if you haven't seen the good place, that's I'm, a move to the front of the queue type um, show. What that's is what it I've heard. about? Heaven? It's about it's about heaven. It's about uh, the good place. It's about you, Kristen Bell has died and has gone to the good place on accident. 
by like bureaucratic error has ended up in the good place. Right. Because for every good thing you do, you like throughout your life, you accrue points, either positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And if you hit a certain threshold of points, you get to go to the good place. Well, she does not have that criteria. She should, by all intents and purposes, be in the bad place, the bad place. The but, bad place. but due to a clerical error, she's in the good place. Ah. Fascinating. And shenanigans ensue. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, Ted Danson. Yes. And what I've heard is the best role he's ever had. It's, it's really good. It's ridiculously, it's, it's uh, ridiculously joyful. I've also heard that theology is just absolutely fantastic. It is. It's pretty some neat. Of the, some of the best you'll get outside of, like, Lost. It's pretty neat. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a genius. It's really a genius show. That's what I've heard. Interesting. Well, I someday may have to take some time to look into that. Yeah, I would. Wouldn't hurt anything. Oh, also, the president texted us all today. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I didn't get it. Well, yeah, you know what? Neither did neither did my father-in-law. Um, there's a there's a, a large handful of people who didn't get it. And it's it's actually that has been in place for a long time. Um this is just the first uh test of it. Right. It's been here for it's it's been around um for like a dozen years. I believe every bit of that. <laughs> Well, this this being the first test, it makes sense that like half the population didn't get it. Well, that, I I don't know if that's why they're testing it or if it's just it's the same. The uh, you guys have been watching TV and seen like like this is a test of the emergency broadcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all that that was today. Yeah, and I, I know like the internet's freaking out because people have the people think that it's a brand new thing that oh it's not. It's Thank not. you for clarifying it. It needed to be said. Yeah, it's it's not just like a thing that Trump has decided he wants to be able to text everybody. Um, it's and it's just it's <laughs> called the presidential alert system. Um, it was called that like eight presidents ago, or probably two presidents ago when it became a thing that they could do with cell phones. Right. So. So back when it was, it was actually called that back when they just released like just a thousand carrier pigeons. <laughs> just, just a thousand. Right. Well, they didn't have an accurate census count. Like it just went to like, and it just went to the first thousand people from the White House. Right. The first thousand people they could teach the pigeons the addresses of. <laughs> well, uh, just need to teach them how to read a map. Okay. <laughs> Cram so many addresses in there. Yeah. I mean, it's a great trick for an extinct species. Carrier pigeons? Yeah. Dr. Blumberg, are carrier pigeons extinct? That's not my area of expertise. (laughs) How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. Long time no talk. That's right. It's been a while. Yes. How's that? I mean, everything I can assume is uh, swell. You're not a yep. you're not a zombie. You're not. Uh, 
No, no, I, that is my area of expertise. So <laughs> not a problem there. Good. Well, I hear that you have some new uh, material coming down the line about zombies yes. here. Yes, so- I have a new book out. It's called Journey of the Living Dead. And uh, it already came out a couple weeks ago. And it was um, very, very specifically timed to take advantage of the monumental 50th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead that actually just happened exactly on October 1st. And this book is sort of the culmination of all of my years of work in the zombie genre and basically puts all of my insights, all of my research, everything together in one volume for everybody and looks at the whole history of zombie movies from the silent era to the present. Fantastic. Why do you think zombies have become kind of this uh, cultural phenomenon in the last, I don't know, a dozen years? Well, the the short version of it in general is that they're just the best vehicle for conveying all sorts of messages about our society. And they're just one of the most direct reflections of us as people. So you look at all the other monsters and sort of the horror pantheon and all of them are to varying degree more fanciful. You got vampires, you got werewolves, all these, all these creatures also serve reasonable purposes in storytelling. But when you want to actually explore very basic ideas about human nature and fear the zombie is perfect because it's the creature that can be any of us. It can be your family. It can be your friends. And in terms of the last, particularly, let's say, 17 years or so, post 9-11, we've had uh, the first surge that really brought them back to the mainstream in a way they'd never been before. And ever since then, they've really completely... Um, well, they went viral appropriately enough, and uh, and uh, and they're not going anywhere. They've become a permanent part of the media landscape in a very successful way, but it's also a reflection of the fact that we really need them to stick around because we have so many things we want to say through these creatures. That was a profound statement. Well, that's you know, it's 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 really well, why you. it's really why I like having you on because you know you can ask a question like. Like a lot of your subject matter, and please don't take this the wrong way because I'm terrible with words. But (laughs) you know, you're you're uh uh you're you're the Marvel superhero guy. You're the zombie guy, and I think a lot of people look at that and say, like, you know, maybe like that's a childish thing to have an area of expertise in. Yeah. But you you look at them not that way. Absolutely. You You get down to the bottom of it, and that's why it's it's so unique to hear your take on. To hear somebody sit and talk about zombies as a way to look almost inward to yourself is is just fascinating. That is exactly right. That's that's a very succinct way of putting it. It's a beautiful way of putting it. And also to go back to the thing of childish, I mean that's that's ultimately one of the big arguments I've always been facing over the years whenever I've talked about like the courses I've taught, things like you encounter that with m- many more people than me too. I mean anybody that delves into any area of pop culture, it's – the extremely narrow-minded out there who are like, well, isn't this just stuff you read when you're a kid? It's like, well, why do you think that stuff you're giving to your children 
to read or to consume as media is something that should be disposable and without any meaning. Do you have that little regard for your children that you think that everything that they experience is meaningless when it's the very thing that shapes us as people for the rest of our lives? And then on top of it, and then on top of it, you look at things like Marvel, for instance, those movies aren't successful because a lot of little kids are going to see them. Everybody <laughs> is embracing these movies. I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of little kids with $10 in their pocket. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, these these are things that have been completely embraced by everyone, every age, every, every area of, you know, every walk of life. And it's where we have our cultural conversation is all these different things. So naturally, you know, you look at it and, and I think really we usually, when you see people who make those kind of arguments like this is, um, you know, garbage, it's usually because they just, they're not the least bit interested in having people apply critical thinking to things and really get a sense of what's really going on. And, uh, and that's why we're here. What, what do you think the, the next iteration of zombies and pop culture is going to look like? Oh, that's, well, it's an excellent question, but I don't really know that I can really give a definitive answer. The, the, the question I usually throw back a question on that one, which is the answer to that is what are we going to be afraid of in the next few years? I mean, I certainly know what we're afraid of right now, but, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I don't need a zombie for that. Because I got enough of that just looking at the news, so we don't need zombies. But, <laughs> but, um, but that's the thing. The point. The point is that they are ultimately avatars of whatever we're afraid of at any given point. You can map that. That's what I do in the book. You can map it to the whole history. Certainly not just this country, but the whole world. And you know, there's no way of really knowing. Well, what's going to be the next thing? Right now, for instance. What tends to come up a lot is people talking about things like social media. Is it alienating? Has it turned us all into zombies who wander around and just stare at our phones? And that body language is very potent and very familiar to anybody who's watched zombie movies. But what's the next part when in the next five years or so something else is going to happen and somebody will come along and say, you know what? The zombie is a perfect metaphor to use to reflect that. And it'll always be that way. You know, it's weird. I was, uh, what a perfect confluence of events today. Um, I, we, we were actually just talking about it. Uh, I, did your phone get the presidential emergency alert today? I turned it off. I turned it off well in advance. Okay. I, I will receive uh, uh, an alert from that sort of person when we actually have one that's qualified to send me one. So <laughs> well, have- I, I turned well, have, it off. And when I turned it back on again, by the way, I, I, I wasn't sure what would happen. Like, because it's oh so important, would it, you know, save it and hit me with it when I turned it, turn it back <laughs> on again? But it didn't. It didn't. So it was easy enough to avoid. Did you, uh, in your book, do you talk about uh, Stephen King's The Cell? It's That's kind of his take on the zombie. Oh, uh, I think I may mention it. I mean, I mentioned this. My God, it, one, of the, one of the things that, that my wife kept telling me to, to, to temper, particularly as I was getting closer and closer to the deadline was, she was like, you know, remember, this isn't Zombie Mania, which was the previous book. It's not meant to be like the all-inclusive encyclopedia. This is supposed to be something that puts it all together into like 
a chronological narrative of like, here's what all this means and let's look at the whole history of it. But I still found myself wanting to have everything in there or like a lot of it. So there's a lot of mentions of a lot of different uh, films, including that one, I think, uh, around the time we're talking about a lot of the the movies that reflect uh, the zombie as metaphor for technology. So right. um so it may or may not. I, I can't remember 100 percent, but but uh, obviously, yeah, that's a definite connection with the events of today. Yeah, it was it was it was uh, it was one of the first things that crossed through my mind. You know, the fact that um, you know, in, in that book, there's the phone crazies. Uh, anybody who was on their <laughs> phone at the time when when whatever signal went through the cell phone, it turned him into the uh, his version or that book's version of a zombie. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that everyone got a push notification today from the presidential alert system, I I've, one of the first things I thought about was Stephen King's cell. And it was like, you know, I, I was like, well, I hope I because I remember reading that book and saying to myself, would I have been on my phone or would I or would I be, you know, like John Cusack and be able to, you know, make it to the end of the movie. Well, and, I guess uh, it's consistent with me being the zombie expert then, because since I turned the phone off, I'd be one of the ones in the movie that didn't get affected by it. Abs- absolutely. And would, <laughs> and would then have to like fight my way through the uh, landscape of the undead. So I guess that works. As a, the, as the zombie, do you have a, a, a zombie apocalypse uh, preparedness kit? Uh, no, I, I don't strictly. Um, I do have. I, I think I got. I think I got rid of it eventually. Many, many, many years ago, at, at uh, when I used to curate a, a comics and collectibles museum here in Baltimore, um, we did a number of like themed events. This was back when Zombie Mania was coming out too, and and uh, a couple of fans came by who were so excited to get the book and meet me and, and my co-author Andy Hirschberger and they had made me a present and they'd made me a zombie survival kit that they'd put together in a hollowed out log that they had retrofitted with hinges to be a box. That's and and amazing. I accepted it in the way that you accept things from people that you're not entirely sure you can trust 100% <laughs> and said thank you very much and put it in the corner of my office for a while because it also <laughs> had a knife in it. So I think I eventually got rid of it in as, in as nice a way as I possibly could, but it was a very nice gesture all the same. But I don't I don't have one myself because I know that, you know, in terms of physical stuff, I'd, I'd last about five seconds. My My like mental expertise would in no way prepare me to, to fight my way in the apocalypse. So this, there's no point in planning for that. Yeah. It's uh one of our first, one of our very first episodes we ever did on this show was uh, it was an early 2014. We had hmm. a, a zombie apocalypse survival expert oh. on, on our show. And we asked him, you know, if you were in a big city, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? You know, do you do you try to get out of the population as fast as possible? And he says, I think his quote was, hell no, I'm going to the top of the tallest building and becoming the like I'm going to become the zombie king oh, of Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not bad, not bad. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of our favorite topics. Zombies is one of our 
our favorite topics. Well, I, I know we we talked quite a few times. Uh, it's been like you said, it's been a while, but I know we talked quite a few times about that and Marvel and Star Wars. I think a little bit too. It's at one point we we have a there was new Star Wars news today. Well, actually, there, there was, was two bits of, two bits of Star Wars news today. The first was that um, a lot of the negative press for the new Star Wars movies was actually just uh, was Russia, right? And, right. <laughs> and this, no and big this. surprise, but yeah. <laughs> and the second bit of news is that John Favreau's uh, live TV Star Wars concept is called the Mandalorian. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I I'm saw that. Couldn't be more excited for that. I think that's going to be amazing. I it's, think that it, it sounds like they all sat around a table and thought, how can we get somebody in something that looks like a Boba Fett suit? And they said, let's call it the Mandalorian. And it's like, all right, now now we got the Boba Fett outfit in there. So, And I, I know they showed some early set photos, and it looks like they're recreating Tatooine. So uh, that should be interesting. Uh, the whole thing. The whole thing is, do you think we're – uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be Nick. This is a question Nick would ask you. Are we looking at an oversaturation of Star Wars? I don't really think there's an oversaturation of anything anymore. God I mean, he, I mean, here's the I mean, here's the thing. On the one hand, yes. I mean, on the one hand, are you? I mean, because when you say oversaturation, at least from the fan perspective, the reason that we say it is because we're worried that the quality is going down. Like, are they making too many things? Are they not focusing on individual things? And therefore, everything becomes blander as a result. Okay, possibly that's true. But the fact of the matter is, Disney now owns all of our childhoods, almost in its entirety. <laughs> yep. And if there's one thing we can at least rely on in the midst of all the other horrible things we know about them is this multi-million, multi-trillion dollar conglomerate, is that their their one stock in trade is they know how to make stories that keep people coming back for more, particularly children. And therefore, the idea that they're going to say now, well, you know what? We want to see the dollar sign, so we're going to just keep churning out Star Wars and Marvel stuff over and over and over again. Until well, the death of the universe. Yeah, exactly. And and then what does that mean for oversaturation? Well, in these days of streaming and everything else, you've got 4,000 other choices. If you don't want to look at the latest Star Wars thing, there are a million other things you can go look at. So saturation is kind of a moot point. It doesn't really matter anymore. And then if you're a fan and you don't like something they do, wait five minutes because there's going to be another one. <laughs> and and there'll be something for you and there'll be something Star Wars for the other people. And I think what we're seeing right now is that we're just it's hard for people to realize that we're moving from a time where Star Wars is something special that comes out only every once in a while to just being a channel. Once a generation. Yeah. Now it's just going to be a channel like everything else is a channel and it's just going to have constant nonstop content. And you will get to pick and choose what you like and don't like. But now Star Wars will always be there. And I really don't think there's much bad about that from the fan perspective. It's just that a fan has to accept all of it's not going to always be 100% satisfying. But that's the same with everything. That's a yeah. fair point. They got rid of the Arch Deluxe at McDonald's. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Well, I mean, like. 
20, 23 years ago. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not all going to be good all the time, but there's no nope. McDonald's. No, nope. there you go. And, and the right. thing is, the other thing too, is this TV show. This is all, I mean, there've been animated shows, yeah, but this, is, this is pretty uncharted territory. Yeah. A, uh, you know, a, now what I don't know is if it's going to be released on the new, like the Disney streaming service it or if it's will. going to be, I, on I would imagine ABC. it would be. Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that because they're, they have multiple ways they could go. I guess they have free form and yeah, yeah. Something's, something's got to replace inhumans and agents of shield. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people liked Agents of Shield, but Inhumans. I, I didn't even bother with it, but it sounded like a real oh, I hear you. disaster. Actually, Agents of Shield actually it 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 waxed and waned, but they mm-hmm. uh, they I believe are coming to the end of the series. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and we're going to get a young Coulson and Captain Marvel, so that's good. And a good old special Mike Casper. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh. Yeah, that Inhumans, that that seemed to be like, um, it was almost like they had to make it or they would lose the rights to it. So they just had <laughs> to go ahead and do it. And you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what it seemed like. It really, what it seemed like is that they uh, they made that big announcement where Inhumans was going to be one of the tentpole movies of phase three. Yeah, that didn't and, go anywhere. And then just yeah. swept it under the rug, dropped it to a TV series, and then like – But then, but they, they felt release. like – Well, it's like they felt like they – since they already said – like they put it up on that screen that now they have to do it somehow mm-hmm. rather than just letting it go away. Well, now we've got the thing where they keep teasing the idea that the Eternals are the future of the MCU. Correct. And uh, – We'll see what comes of that. All I know is growing up as a Marvel fan myself and reading virtually everything, I always found the Eternals and some of the, the more far-flung cosmic stuff to be the least interesting. But I, but but that doesn't matter because I know there are people that are fans of everything. But the question is, is that good enough to be the basis for like a a, a huge swath of this continuing story especially if they lose a lot of the people we've become used to over the last 10 years mm-hmm. but uh but we'll see do you think that uh we've been talking about it here the last couple of weeks um to pivot away from the fact that chris evans is no longer going to be captain america is that they're just going to make him a scroll <laughs> i hadn't heard that actually um so yeah, it's news to me. I don't know. Um, I really don't. That's that's an odd idea. Um, I'm not sure exactly what we have coming up with this. I mean, the when we all went to see Infinity War, obviously, Infinity War was kind of sold on a on what was partially a misdirection because we were told here it is celebrate 10 years of the MCU. And now infinity war is the culmination of that story. Really though, infinity war was part one of the teeing up of the culmination of that story. Right. The culmination is coming up. The culmination is coming up. And, and so infinity war for all the things about it that I really enjoyed was your classic example of the first part of a two parter that has to put all the pieces on the board. And then they say, well, goodbye folks. We'll see you. And you know, come back and we'll do the th- do the whole thing. And now the question is, 
you know, everybody's extrapolating who's going to be in play, what's going to happen. But it really does feel like this one is going to be the end of an era in a pretty profound way. I mean, these guys are getting older. Downey's not going to keep doing Iron Man forever. And the other big question, of course, too, is as much as we're all emotionally invested in this, and I, I think it's one of the greatest movie series it's ever been my pleasure to see my whole life is to see all these characters come to life this way. But the bigger question is, when does the day come where somebody there finally decides to reboot everything? Yes. Oh, yeah. that, I was, I was, that was going to be out of my, cause I think it's coming pretty soon with Harry Potter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Very possibly. And I, you know, at what point are we going to go to see Iron Man? Iron Man again. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's just, uh, we're just starting from scratch again, rebooting the whole thing. I, I agree. Or even though, even though they'll say like, well, no, we've got, we've got 20, 30 more films planned out. Yes. But really that's the thing. It's like that to a certain extent, I would love it if this continuity kept going for years and years and this universe is rich, but see, it goes back to that Eternals thing. Even if there are people out there who would scream at me and say, well, you know, the hell with you. I love the Eternals. They're, they'll be great. It's like, yes, except over the last 10 years, they've now used up everybody who really has brand recognition and big name characters. Mm-hmm. They they can't possibly generate the same emotional connection with an audience with third, fourth and fifth tier characters, which means eventually they're going to have to start again and recast everybody. And that time is coming faster than most of us would probably be willing to accept. And the thing that I'm wondering is, as all these deals start to shake out, will they eventually reach a point where they can and they decide, you know what, this time we can actually start it with the Fantastic Four the way we could have done in the first place. And we'll get a whole new like MCU 2.0. Uh, See, when you say it like that, I get more excited about it. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I wasn't trying to sell anybody on it either. Uh, but we, yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. You know, we kind of have our own, we have our own in-house plan. If if Kevin Feige would like to ever call us in, yeah, uh, we think that at a certain point, maybe after uh, the Avengers four. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have, um, you have an uh, an extra cred- end credit scene where um, Deadpool jolts himself up and he's awake, like and he <laughs> says, "Like, wow, that was a really weird dream." And then, as he walks out of his room at Avengers Tower, you come mm-hmm. across whoever they've decided to recast as Iron Man. Just drop them in. Yeah. Just drop them in and say, like, you wouldn't believe it, dude. I just had a dream. You were Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. And and in a sense, at that point, Deadpool just killed the Marvel Universe. That's right. And I think that's there's something poetic about that. <laughs> that's the most meta way to do it, too. Isn't it? Oh, dude, dude, you wouldn't believe it. You were Robert Downey Jr. And it'd be like, <laughs> it's very it'd cute. be like, it'd be like, uh, uh, Scott Eastwood or something would be like, mm-hmm. what? And then move on. And then look, you just rebooted the MCU, and now you can now you can actually have a, uh, um, you know, and you and and Tom Hardy you're there. Um, but Disney just bought uh the X Men, so you you know you're you're in the movie now. 
<laughs> so <laughs> that's right. Uh, it occurs to me too that in a way, I mean, I don't think they'd be doing it this soon. It occurs to me that uh, actually, this final, you know, the Infinity War Part Two or whatever we're going to find out it's called Avengers Infinity, Avengers Forever, whatever. Um, it would have been the the best opportunity to do the reboot and do it in the Star Trek way, where you know. They had Leonard Nimoy as Spock to try to hand it off and say, no, no, this is happening within the same universe because it's time travel and we've altered the timeline. Well, they could have done it at the end of this upcoming movie by having something happen with some kind of big final confrontation that involves using the reality gem or something out of the Infinity Gauntlet and changing everything. And then at the end of the yep. movie, everything changes. There's one final snap or they destroy the gauntlet. That whole thing's resolved. But now everything has changed. And now the movie leaves you with, well, next time we get back together, we'll start reintroducing you to everybody. And that way they could do it in a way that's still connected, but starts it all fresh. But I don't yeah, think I th- they're going to do that. I, th- I, th- I think – the results of whatever happens in this next Avengers movie mm-hmm. um, is going to be how they introduce how there's suddenly mutants. I think. Yeah, that could be so too. As well, yeah, yeah that know, could be. Uh, one of the one of the, um, you know, it 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 uh, kind of almost like they did with the the Terra Genesis, where whatever it did triggered that latent gene. And now suddenly there's mutants. I'm mm-hmm. still I'm still calling House of M. I think it's gonna mm-hmm. be I think it's gonna be Scarlet Witch that brings mutants in. Oh, that would be cool too. It's a very good possibility, yeah. If if only if only they'd call us in and talk to us. I know they, they need to bring in the whole team as consultants. I'll be happy to <laughs> sit in too. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and, you're uh, you're coming. Yeah. All right. All right. That's good. We'll all do that. As long as I tell you, if he calls us, we'll call you. If he calls okay. you, call us. I will do that. No problem. <laughs> we'll be, have a deal. Fantastic. We'll be like, okay, Kevin, this is what we're doing next. <laughs> Sit down and listen. We've got a plan. I mean, yeah. It's like, it's like, hey, Kevin, yeah, you've been doing great for 10 years of these movies, but now listen to us. There's, there's, <laughs> you've been doing great these little films you've been doing, but now here's what These little doing. films you've been these doing. Little, these, <laughs> these little films. That's billion it. dollars at the box office. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Question about your book, too, that I've been thinking about it. How does... Uh, how does, I mean, how long does it take you to sit down and put, you know, uh, from Night of the Living Dead on to now? I mean, how, how do you catalog all that? How, how do you actually get that into a, into a book without, like, I guess, like you were saying, without running on and on about trying to include everything? Well, the book is arranged chronologically and, the whole point of it is it starts off in the 19 teens, basically. And, uh, it's basically the book is everything that I've ever taught or lectured on or written about in the past, including a lot of, um, material that I revisited in zombie mania and looked at fresh from the modern perspective. Cause it's been, you know, about 12 years since that. And, um, and then assemble the whole thing together. So it's a chronological narrative that takes you through the whole history and development of the cinematic zombie genre 
from the silent era, looking at movies that had prototypical figures that weren't necessarily zombies yet, but, you know, laid the groundwork for those kind of creatures in film, then looked at the the beginnings of the zombie uh, in pop culture and then moved forward. And of course, the whole point of doing it this year and doing it like like the way I did it was that everything pivots on Night of the Living Dead. The film is the book is very much structured to say, here's everything that led to and inspired Romero and Russo and everybody on Night of the Living Dead. And then after that, and Night gets the biggest focus of the whole book. And then after that, here's everything that was inspired by and that was, you know, that followed it. And, and yeah, in terms of like the challenge, I mean, it's, it was about trying to tell that story in a way that felt, you know, substantial and yet didn't get bogged down in making it a list because this isn't like zombie mania. It's not like a guidebook per se. It's an entire history. So not everything is necessarily reflected, every single film that's ever existed. I know that when I was originally planning to possibly do a follow-up to Zombie Mania only a few years after, that book cataloged nearly 600 zombie movies, and already only a few years later, we we were up to like 1,300. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there was, there was no way that was going to be in this. And the other thing, too, is that since this book is sort of like a capsule of my college course – it also has a lot of material in it for educators and to focus on the idea of here's how you can use zombies as a great way to look at how media literacy functions. So there's stuff – every chapter is sort of chronological by decade, and then at the end of every chapter, we have things like you know questions for further discussion or things that might prompt you to think deeper about what you like and what you don't like and what this means, and also lists of additional books and other sources – um, and all the kind of things that might come in handy when you're trying to actually maybe even utilize this book to help teach a bit of that kind of thing. And uh, and I also incorporated a lot of the history of zombies and comics because that was the industry that I spent a lot of time in, and I never felt it got its just due in a lot of other books. So that's in there too. Zombies and comics, are you talking like – Going back to EC in the 50s. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and then also certainly The Walking Dead. But there's um, there's a very long chapter that I had done for another book years ago that was the entire history of how zombies and horror comics were intertwined and how the, the censorship scare in comics in the 50s both – you know, temporarily destroyed that. And then also in a way laid the groundwork for the future and Robert Kirkman creating the walking dead. And I took all that material and worked it into the book, uh, in, in places where it fits chronologically. So you get that in sync with how zombies develop in film. And I always feel that people, a lot of people tell you the story of the history of zombies in movies. And even I'm guilty of this in the past and very often skip how important, EC comics and 50s horror comics were in developing the idea of the flesh-eating corpse back. And um, even in researching this book, I came across things that I'd never found before. And there are some things in this book that I think are uh, relatively new, if not completely, uh, wouldn't necessarily say undiscovered, but really I haven't seen many other resources delving into as much, including the – yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Yes. And and uh for instance, there's a, a comic that 
definitely predates Romero that features a reanimated flesh-eating corpse of a type that is very much the ghoul in Night of the Living Dead, despite the fact that we always talk about Night of the Living Dead coming up with the idea of adding flesh-eating to that equation. But no, this is already something that was happening in the comics. He just brought it over into film. So this puts things in a in a much clearer context, I think. And I was excited to find some of these things as I was going through. It's, it's research I would love to have to uh, be love able to just to... sit down and do. Oh man, absolutely! <laughs> just lose myself in it for hours and hours at a time. I'm with you. It was I'm fun, but it was there was also a deadline looming, so it was hard. Right. To, <laughs> it was hard to enjoy it as much as I could have. Yeah, yeah. But it was still it was it was one of the most fun projects I've ever worked on, and it felt like it was like years in the making. And then when I finally had to get down to the business of putting it all together, it was, there was also like a ticking clock. But that that actually that's going to happen with every book. There, there's there's always going no matter how much time you think you've budgeted. Books always tend to be a race against time, no matter what. Well, uh, be- before we move into the uh, the tail end of the show here, where can our listeners get their hands on your book? Well, they can go directly to the ATB Publishing website, and there's a direct link, atbpublishing.com slash zombie. And you can get right to the book, Journey of the Living Dead. And of course, if you find me on Twitter at Doctor of the Dead, I'm being uh, insufferably consistent about promoting the book right now. But <laughs> after all, this is the 50th anniversary month for Night of the Living Dead. So I'm going to talk about it a lot. So either ATB Publishing or me, and uh, I'll be happy to point you in that direction. And we will we will have a link in our show notes, too, that goes right to it. So Oh, awesome. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, at the end of our show, we talk about what we've been geeking on this week. And as our guest, uh, you get the choice to go either first or last. I'll I'll go first. Awesome. All right. Uh, this week, uh, what I'm geeking on is revisiting the entire Halloween series in preparation for the new movie coming out October 19th, which I'm incredibly excited about. Looks really good. And yeah, and I've I've been a fan of the Halloween series as my all time favorite slasher movie series ever since it started, and. Um, and uh, it, it, for many years, I used to specifically watch however many of them existed over again as part of the whole fun of Halloween in October. But it's actually been a few years since I did that. And so what better time, the 40th anniversary of the new movie, I decided to go back and start everything from one. And the extra fun is on the Doctor of the Dead podcast, we're talking about this entire rewatch as we go. And um, my wife, Natalie, has seen one, two and three originally, but hadn't ever seen anything past that. So, uh, in fact, as we speak tonight, we're I took a break to chat with you guys and we're in the middle of watching six. So we're we're quickly catching up and then we'll all be ready for the new one. Yeah, that's very cool. He always he's always there, Mike Myers. He always walks. <laughs> he walks. He doesn't have to get there fast. He knows he's, he's like, going to get look, there. Look, I'm not. He's a I'm slow not a and runner. steady sort. 
That's right. You run, but you can't hide. He's no Jason. He's he's not Freddy. He's not going to jump into your dreams. He's just going to stroll, and he'll get there. Just yeah, wait. Man. He's real chill. He's very chill. Yes. <laughs> yes. He has a lot of rage inside, but he's very chill on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, how about you? What do you get? Uh, it has been a lot of Magic the Gathering for me this week. Uh, th- my uh, friends have gotten me back into it a little bit. Uh, and Enablers. I know, right? They're the worst. Uh, and there's a uh, a new set that is getting ready to come back that is uh, possibly my favorite plane and all of the uh, Magic the Gathering lore, uh, which is Ravnica, uh, the city of guilds. So they're... Uh, a lot of really cool things out there, and I'm racking my brain trying to figure out what I'm going to build and play around with. And yeah, so it's been a lot, a lot of Magic Gathering. When I used to work at a comic shop, that was the one thing that would happen more than anything else were kids coming in and asking to look at every single individual box of Magic the Gathering cards that we had in the case. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And it'd be like, I'll look at the Black Border ones now. Now I'll look at the. And we had to lock the case every time because that was a security thing. So every time I was like, could you just, could you tell me like three things that you want to look at? Nope. You got <laughs> I'll take them all out, but no. We're going to go through every border separately. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rye, what about you? Um, I'm finishing up with Harvest. So uh, I get to, um, uh, I get to listen to a lot of audiobooks and I have taken a break from my reread of the Dark Tower saga. Um, they had a, the, the reader changed on me. At the the wolves of Kala. Yeah, oh. he died. Did the guy? He died. Yep. There's a really lovely uh, uh, author's note at the end of, I believe, Wolves of the Kala about it. Okay, okay, because it's suddenly it's George Gadol, who who I like. It's just not the same. It's like a they did the same thing with uh, the Michael Conley novel starring Hieronymus Bosch. All of a sudden, there's a new Harry Bosch, and it's like I can't do that. So, but uh, yes, but anyway, I've been I've been listening to some Christopher Moore. I don't know if any of you guys have read any Christopher Moore. I haven't yet. I haven't, no. He is, uh, I don't even know if he's a good writer. (laughs) I think think he'd love to hear you say that. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's just, um, like a big run on sentence. Like a stream (laughs) of consciousness thing, but I'm reading, uh, noir and, uh, it's, it's set, uh, just after World War II in San Francisco, and he just he has a way with words that I think is really fantastic, and it's a very fun read, and it is not to be taken seriously. Um, it's just a fun thirteen hours. Uh, I would, if okay. you're going to start, I would start uh, like I told uh, Rob this week. Um, the Island of the Sequined Love Nun is probably my favorite Christopher Moore book. <laughs> Which is a phenomenal name for a book, if you ask me. Yeah, and it's... I know, uh, I know nothing about it, but that title alone just suggests <laughs> many it, things. It, it paints a very specific image. I, I it believe does. he's either, either an obscure, like a, a neo-Dadaist writer. If that helps you uh, be sold anymore or less. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Chris, Christopher Moore, that's where I'm at. 
Uh, Joe, how about you? What are you geeking on this week? Yeah, you know, I wish I wish there was something I was geeking on passionately this week. Um, I am I'm excited that uh, the the new doctor we're going to see her uh, this upcoming week. Um, oh yeah, October seventh is the air date for the series. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about that. I am uh, glad that I'm done with that symposium from last weekend. What a letdown that was! Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, just totally useless. Um, not totally useless. Just a lot of the papers were a little bit too. Um, uh, they were too academic, they, which is a weird thing to say about an academic symposium. Like, <laughs> you know, one one guy decided to bring a paper about uh, Nazi political theologian Carl Schmidt. Uh, in a room of 60 academics, five people had heard of Carl Schmidt. And one of them had only heard of Carl Schmidt because they had talked to the other presenter who was responding to the paper on Carl Schmidt. Wow. Ah. Yeah. And so like that, that kind of encapsulates the experience for me. It was just, it was a lot of good stuff, but it was just kind of overall pretty useless as a, as a person who who's going to go into the field that I'm going to go into. I don't know. It was fine. It's fine. It was, <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, it was it was cool to be able to be part of. It sucks that I have to write stuff about it for a grade. I wish I could have just gone for fun because then that, then I think I'd be more excited about it. But um what else? Yeah, that's basically it. I've been uh, I've been watching for adventure time uh is is getting into Brooklyn 99 with me. Uh, so that's been kind of cool. We've been having some good laughs over that. And uh, actually, the the thing I'm probably most geeking on today is uh, she's entering into a uh, a chocolate chip cookie contest at work, and uh, I get to reap the benefits of all of the test batches. Nice. So <laughs> hard much, to be much yeah, jealous. So speaking of speaking of stressing my pancreas. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's probably. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's that's from from taint to glove. That's from what I was looking for right there. Taint to there glove. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, it, we missed you, Doctor Blubber. We missed you. <laughs> well, it was a uh, pleasure talking to you guys again. We'll have to do it again and not let so much time go by. Absolutely. Any time. Yeah. Whenever. Whenever you. Uh, Whenever you feel like it, uh, shoot uh, shoot me a tweet and sure and, uh, we'll make it we'll, happen. We'll, we'll get on. Sure, be happy to. Uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, enjoy Halloween. And you guys too. Thanks so much. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks, good night. And if you uh, if you feel inclined to um, give us a, a dollar, review, put a dollar bill around the neck of a carrier pigeon. <laughs> yep. 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 And then give us five stars. Uh, tell, tell us. us. Oh, please. Oh no, I had nothing. Oh, I say, tell us. Tell us your favorite zombie movie and why it's Freddy Krueger. Right. Mm-hmm. No, okay. <laughs> Weird. I, I don't know. Yeah. Sure. If you have complaints, <laughs> go to the Facebook and Twitter at Geekcast Live, <laughs> and be sure and, to voice oh. them. If you have complaints, send it to at Geekcast Nick yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, on Absolutely. Twitter. Yeah. He'll probably commiserate with you. 
if 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 there's something you'd like to see uh done differently on the show um you know uh or if you just want to talk yeah just at geekcast any time of the night or day mm-hmm. um he'll uh, he's available at geekcast nick <laughs> with that dasvidanya i'm here if you need to talk and uh okay. put put mayonnaise on your your ear of corn and then grill it Call your grandparents. Bye.